calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this. Flow Riders, welcome to the flow. I'm your community manager from Ecamm, Doc Rock, along with my awesome co-hosts. Hey everyone, it's Katie. It's Katie. All right, gang, let's get into it. Today, we're going to be talking about how to make your audio sound better. Mm -hmm. So I must posit the question, Kate, what made you come up with this question? Oh my gosh. Well, for a few reasons. One, it's the most popular question that we hear from Ecamm fam and podcasters and video professionals and live streamers. And I think it's always the most important part of all of this is the audio, because we keep saying to everyone that people will put up with really terrible video quality, but if they can't hear you, they're gone. <laughs> no one's going to sit through if there's like noises or if they can't hear you at all. So I had the pleasure of doing a podcasting workshop with a whole bunch of seventh graders last week, which is why we were off last week as I was teaching people all about podcasting. But that was one of the questions that I got the pleasure of asking them. And I felt so smart. I was like, <laughs> hey, go, what's the most important aspect of podcasting? Is it the camera? Is it the microphone? Is it the lighting? Is it the person? What is it? So that would be my answer. The reason why I said it was kind of funny is because we did streamed last week and when it was done we were hanging out in the discord and basically going over tatiana's mic setup mm. and we went through setting up her mv7 from top to bottom yep. because she didn't know what many of the words were yeah the thing that's so i guess timely about that is i was just watching a video about 
someone stating that even the simplest things that are just so normal to you, you'd be surprised that people wouldn't know. Mm. And I thought we were closer in the same generation, but I guess there's a big enough gap. Like she didn't even know what EQ was. And I was like, what are you talking about, Willis? Because we grew up, everybody in their car or in their house, they had the EQ with the actual sliders, right? Your dad or your grandpa or somebody was always sliding the little sliders up and down. And then it was like, if you kids touch that, I would take you out of this world so nobody touch it. And me, I was like, look, the boomy parts get better. I feel like I know what EQ is, but I don't think I could explain it. So maybe I'm in between. I didn't grow up with that experience, but I know, like I recognize the term, but I couldn't tell you exactly what it means. Okay. So here's a different question. In Canada, was booming in your Jeep a thing? Like in U.S., especially New York, California, like Hawaii, everybody in high school, the cool kids was about the car stereo, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we even had whole songs about the bass in your trunk or booming in your Jeep or I'm too short yep. from the home of the rock, two woofers in the trunk beating down the block. Life is too short. Like that was a thing. So yeah, again, Rich said they boom in the sleds in Canada. <laughs> Total toboggans. <laughs> it's a toboggan. Okay, so it's a term that people know, but just hearing it doesn't mean they know what it means. Okay, here's the best thing about audio. I just wanted to get a, a level set. That's the term, right? I want to get a level set because, yeah, I was not like astonished, but I was like, really? Like, I really did assume that everybody would just know what EQ is. It's in all your TVs. It's in your car stereo you have right now. It's been in iTunes since day one. <laughs> like, at least if you grew up in iTunes, your phone apps talk about it. Half of your microphones, if you buy a microphone for your phone, like Shure MV88, the app has it in there. Uh, we don't, <laughs> but it's because we're assuming that you're doing that already from your mic. Let's cover some of that Making your audio sound better, it really does start with your mic selection. This is the tough one because we always tell everybody, look, we want you to get in where you fit in, like start where you start, right? And a lot of people don't want to hear that they probably need to change their mic, right? Well, you start where you start, but we also say all the time that the first thing you should be upgrading or saving up for or the first thing kind of on your budget list even as video people, <laughs> is still a better microphone than what's built into your headphones, your computer, like not something that's built in, an actual microphone. That's a USB microphone or an XLR or, or like the Shure MV7 is a bit of both. But definitely that's the first thing you should be spending money on. <laughs> if you want the budget option that sounds absolutely amazing, the Samsung Q2U, it is 50 freaking dollars period. And it will sound fan glorious. Mm -hmm. It will sound quite amazing for 50 bucks. So I think when we tell people that they got to save up for, which here's the other thing, right? I'm just a beginner. So I'm just going to buy this. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to push back on that. And the reason for that is number one, microphones for the most part are pretty strong like they they you have one you have one forever we have yeah. someone in our community that has the original version of this and they purchased it in 1972 and they still use it to this very day that's older than katie by a long shot see how that's how you get a raise people <laughs> so 
you don't have to think about, I'm going to buy this, you know, in this particular case, you know, $400 mic, and it's only going to last like two years and I'm going to switch it. If you buy a junk one, that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to end up spending $800 trying to get to 400 because you're mm-hmm. going to go to the hundred dollar mic and then you're going to switch it later and bump up to like the 250 mic. Right. And then you're going to switch it later. And oh, well, this one came out and it's supposed to be as good as the SM7B or the RE20 or the Heel PR40. And so you're going to buy another mic that's like 300 bucks. And eventually you will end up here. So everybody ends up here, PR40 or Electro Voice RE20 or the original podcaster, all basically $400. <laughs> so if you could do it, don't put yourself out. Just skip all the rest because you will end up spending more at the end of the day. But when you can, migrate yourself up. What Katie has is a fantastic middle ground and not a middle ground where you will be losing anything. It is a fantastic middle ground where you can just move in and stay, right? Like that's where I'm going to get this one bedroom studio in the middle of Manhattan and I'm never leaving. No house, no grass. I'm just going to get this. That's perfectly fine place to start. And it's like 250 and that's the Shure MV7. It's also like really portable. And I know people are going to be like, I but like I'm constantly going back and forth between the studio here and home and the office we have in North Andover and traveling out to shows and events and things. I literally throw one of these in my bag that I take back and forth and it's so easy and it's fairly durable. You know, I'm obviously careful with it, but it's not like I'm literally just like folding down the stand flat, dropping it into the bag and bringing it with me back and forth all over the place. Your products are pretty durable. And the one thing that hopefully they will do a Rev2 pretty soon and swap out the micro USB for a USB-C. The design phase came about during a time where it was still either or, and now it should just be C, period. So hopefully they'll update it soon. But yeah, that's a good jumping off point. Now, after we've done that, Let's get into something that I want to explain to people. This was something that I forgot to mention when I was talking to Tati, and I don't even think she's here right now. I've said this on my streams. I've taught this to people in my class. Do not get discouraged by audio terms, okay? These audio terms, I'm going to let you guys in on a little insider secret. We um, audio people slash musicians We are the people that pretend to be smart, but we're really dense AF. So all audio terms are absolutely literal. I mean, literal to like literal, literal, literal. So it's just funny because people say to me, well, I don't get EQ. What's equalization? Yeah, that's the description. That's exactly what it is. Oh, what's a low filter? Yes. Exactly that. It filters out the low frequencies. <laughs> you know, you know uh, what is uh, reflection? Yes, it's that. If, if you were to sit in your room and you have somebody walk on the side of you with a mirror. Okay, like in my room, let me give you a visual, people, even people at home, play along. If I'm sitting in my room and staring at this camera, at 45 degrees for me in two corners, there are my studio monitors. What are studio monitors? Yes, they're studio monitors. They monitor your studio. So (laughs) that's how you can hear what's going on in your studio. Okay, so my studio monitors sit right there. If Katie and Luis was to walk on the side of me with a mirror, the minute that looking here, I can see the speaker in the mirror, that's exactly where my speakers reflect against the wall and bounce into my ears. 
sound waves, light waves, microwaves, um, radio waves, they're all the same wave, just different frequencies. So yeah. they all behave the same way. So if I was to shine a flashlight and hit the mirror, it would land exactly where the speaker are. If I was to shine a laser and hit the mirror, it would land exactly where the speakers are. Turns out the sound wave travels the exact same path because the light wave and the sound wave is the same wave at different frequencies. Yeah. They're all wave. Like none of this stuff is rocket science, but I think that we audio people back in the day, I was one, you know, with the, you know, gaffers tape and the clippers on the side, pliers and all of that. Someone would be like, you know, hey, uh, my mic disconnected. Don't touch it. I'll plug it in. And we would run over and plug it in. Like anybody that's from a band or worked in a church or a school, the audio people was like, never touch my stuff. We're going to touch our own. So we built a wall around this stuff, unfortunately, back in the day. And now we suffer for it because we get constant phone calls about something that is exactly what it is. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. I think it's one of those things that I've been learning more and more and I'm now feeling really comfortable with is that in my head, it was this overcomplicated thing where it was outside my skill set. It was something that I like needed to dive into and learn. And really, so much of it is visual, which seems counterproductive, but it really is. Like as you're troubleshooting audio problems, you are literally like looking at your sound meter. Like, and Luis was popping this up earlier because right before I jumped on, I was having weird audio issues. But you're able to see, you can see where the audio is. You can see where things are plugged into and where they're going to. So a lot of it is really obvious logic and being able to kind of follow back the path, right? So it is much more visual and straightforward than it often seems or feels. So even if you don't know any of that terminology and you don't have any desire to learn any of it, you can still have good audio for your show. You can still troubleshoot and help guests troubleshoot. You just need to take a deep breath and don't kind of panic at the point where someone says, I can't hear you, or you're hearing doubled audio, or you're hearing an echo, or you're panicking. Take a moment and think through, bring up your meters, see where the volume is coming or not coming through, and follow that path back to solve it there. And that has been hugely helpful. That mixed with blocking off time for a sound or a tech check. But being able to visually see it, I think, has just made a huge, huge difference in how I'm able to solve problems. And I don't solve them all the time, but 90% I'm able to solve just by calming myself down and watching what's happening or not happening. You're like, oh, I don't see the audio bouncing you know, on the interview. So that must mean that it's on their end. It's not, Ecamm isn't seeing it come in from somewhere. So there's something happening, you know, or, oh, I do see it, but I don't hear it. Something was blocked on my end. I do want to address something real quick. Imagine trying to get a driver's license without learning with gas, brake, stop sign, signal. You you have to, because this is a common conversation and it's not your fault. So many people do it that it becomes part of the vernacular, but it's a a veritable impossibility. If you tell yourself, I don't want to learn that, that is generating the brick that's stopping you. Because I'm not asking you to become a sound engineer but you have to understand the basics, right? So there are some terms that you just have to know. You have to know volume. You have to know gain. You have to know EQ. I mm-hmm. think those are must, absolute must, right? I don't need you to understand frequency response, although that's exactly what it is. How does this microphone respond to frequencies? It is 100% literal. I will say it in 
to like green in the face. You know, a person that's so literal that when they say what they say, you're, you're kind of confused because it is absolutely literal. That's where people get confused. So for instance, I'll give you one that you kind of sort of should know. It's nice to know. It's not going to break it if you don't understand this. When you open up your Shure MV7 app, it's called the Motive app. Mm -hmm. When you go to set up, there's a setting in there called the high pass filter. When you turn on or adjust the high pass filter, it cuts out some of the lower frequencies. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, come here, doc. You just said that it was literal. So why does the high pass filter cut out the low frequencies? And the Virgo in me, because we're literal, Katie's Virgo, will say because it allows the high frequencies to pass through. Yeah. <laughs> high pass filter. Okay, uh, Stan, what's a low pass filter? Jesus, it's the same thing. It just allows the low frequencies to pass through. Okay. Now, anybody care to guess what is a high cut filter? Ooh, high cut filter cuts out the high frequencies? Yes. A low pass filter is also a high cut filter. So you're there. correct. 100%. See what I'm saying? They're super literal. They are 100% literal. So that is one that's on the fringe. Like, it would be nice for you to know what a carburetor does or a fuel injector does when you drive, but it's not going to stop your ability to drive properly. But not understanding yield, stop, pass, merge, brake, light, red, green, yellow, like those stuff, you just can't drive without it. So this is some of the audio stuff. You do have to know this EQ. You do have to know the difference between level and gain. And you kind of sort of need to know what a compressor is. So we'll cover those. There was a question that came up in the chat and it's funny because it's not really Q&A time yet, but I'll answer it because it's actually a good question. Mm -hmm. It's like, so what's a gate? Yes, it's exactly that. Uh, it says, so what's a gate? And please, what's the difference between the volume and the gain? Yep. Okay. So a gate is exactly that. You put these things in your kitchen to stop your youngin from crawling into the kitchen before they could walk, right? Mm -hmm. In your house, you possibly have a chain link fence to stop people like me and Louise from showing up to your house and taking all your stuff. I'm just I'm joking. <laughs> so that's what a gate is. So what would you suppose a noise gate is? Keeps the noise out. <laughs> bingo, bango, pickled mango, show's over. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> that's exactly what a noise gate is, right? I want to get too technical, but I know Dragon's here, so I'll explain it because <laughs> Dragon's going to be mad at me. When you hear somebody had a gated snare, they put a gate on the snare frequencies. When you hit a snare, there's an X amount of frequencies that come out. But if you can block certain frequencies, like you block some of the high frequencies, you get that 1980s when instead of a, right, it's, it's lower because you gated the high frequencies and you have a gated snare. This is just magic. And I do want to call out this particular comment from Jeremy, because I think this is what I should have gotten to, but didn't, is the, you don't need to know what everything means, although Doc has just proven that it's all fairly obvious, but being able to get those words and those terms so that you're able to look up more information is also incredibly helpful, right? So knowing the terminology helps you to troubleshoot, helps you to be able to ask the right questions, helps you be able to look up the right YouTube videos to get the help that you need. So you don't need to know everything, but there's some level of logic there's to it. There's some basics that you need. You know, I liken it to this. If you have no problem with your blood sugar, then you don't need to know what is an A1C or you don't need to know what a glucose is. But if you're mm -hmm. pre-diabetic or diabetic, you absolutely have to know. Well, mm -hmm. in this particular case, as a podcaster, 
there's some of the basics you're going to have to know because when you go to speak to someone who's trying to help you, if you can't posit your question in a proper way, for instance, to me, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Every time somebody says to me, how do I get rid of the echo in my sound? I'm like, uh, turn off the processor because what you guys are calling double audio or slap back or some other terminologies, that's not echo. An echo is when a frequency reflects off the of surfaces until it fades away, right? What you guys are hearing is your input coming <laughs> back through your headphones twice. That's yeah. not echo. So to me, if you want to stop the echo, turn off the processor. There's an echo processor. Software doesn't know how to generate echo by itself. The only way for you to get an echo is for you, human, to feed yourself two audio sources into your same ear. Ecamm doesn't have that. And I'll go ahead and say neither does OBS or any of them. I, I can't even think of our other friends. Uh, Restream, StreamYard, like nobody. Nobody has a button that says echo. It just doesn't exist, right? Your DAW has one because why? That's a processor that says take the wave and bounce the wave back and forth until it fades off. That's actual echo. So to me, yeah, I mean, we're going to be literal about it. Not really a question, but Martin said, I was on the Ecamm group interview with the guest and embarrassing my SM7B that was leaking from a headphone. How do you identify that it was me causing the problem? Super simple. Like we have visual meters in the software. And then so if the guest is talking and you can see the meter move on your side, your input meter should be still. If your meter is bouncing while the guest is talking, the guest audio is leaking through. So if you're quiet and they're talking and your meter is moving slightly, that's your headphones leaking. Fulgens was famous for doing this back in the beginning. I should just tease him because the headphones didn't fit because <laughs> Fulgens and I have massive heads. So leaky headphones is a problem for those of us with big heads. If you have leaky headphones, you got to go to cans because this is what these do. They eliminate that process. So that one's an easy one, but yeah, you can normally see it visually. All right. So I wanted to get into volume gain. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, just again, just getting a level set. What, what would you suppose the difference is? Volume and gain. I don't know if I know. I don't know if I can hazard a guess, to be honest. Okay, we're going to go back to their literal. Okay, so in your audio signal, mm -hmm. let's see, I'll put this in Canadian. Uh, this is 600 milliliters. Mm -hmm. So the space inside this bottle is known as the volume. Okay. How much sound can you fit in your signal volume, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in order to keep the signal level, this is a tube, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if I cut the other ass off, it's a tube. In order for the sound to come out of this tube, I have to also put sound back in this tube mm -hmm. because if I just let it come out, eventually this is empty. Yep. So volume is the amount of signal I can pass through this tube. Okay. Gain is the input that I am putting into this tube. So as a 600 milliliter bottle, in order to not make noise on the microphone, I can only let out 450 milliliters at a time. That means I have to equally put in 450 milliliters. Okay. Now, let's just say my microphone sucks. So I'm going to actually throw in like 700 milliliters, but I have the flow set on here to only let out 450. So the rest would just sort of build up in here and it's fine. So input is your gain, right? Volume is what comes out. Yep. This is a really good analogy. Some people do label stuff wrong, but that's not our fault. We can't help what companies do. 
volume is almost always related to what's coming out and gain is what's related to what's coming in. So you have an input gain and then you have an output volume. A level, mm -hmm. so going back to my analogy, I said maybe I want to throw like 750 mLs at this, okay. but I'm only going to let 450 come out at a time because that's the volume that YouTube or Apple or Spotify can handle. So I'm going to use the level to adjust the flow between the input gain and the output volume. In your house, when you grab the H and you turn it, and you put a lot of H, you burn the living out of yourself. If you keep the H halfway, my brain hurts. My brain hurts trying to make it hard because it's not. It is so not hard. <laughs> you know, it's actually harder for me to make it hard because it's not hard. It is legit. Stuff you do on a regular basis in other things. If you're trying to get a tepid water mix, you adjust the level of the hot and the level of the cold until you get a perfect tepid. You're down on the bottom that's coming from the outside underneath. That quarter turn is basically adjusting your gain and the volume is what comes out the faucet. Because mm -hmm. if the science teacher told you to go take this 600 milliliter volume and fill it up halfway, you would go to the sink and you would open the little thing and you would fill the volume up so it's output. Yeah, all right, cool. What's next on the list? See, this is so simple, but I don't know why people make it hard. I will say it's our fault though. Back in the day when we had opportunity to make this the general portion of conversations, we did it because we were busy gatekeeping. And that's why no one understands photography in a way because the people who had the skills back in the day were very gatekeepery and YouTube kind of bust a hole in that. So, so now anybody can do it. I think that's the cool part is a level set playing field. Not anybody can do it, but it has made certain things seem daunting and they're just not. Yeah, I think at least for me, and I don't know if this is the same for everyone else, part of what made it difficult was that by and large, even if you're doing a tech check or a sound check, it's those moments where you're with someone else and the audio is either not working at all or, or doubled, like you're getting some kind of doubled audio. It's hard to talk through and troubleshoot that because the audio isn't working, right? Trying to think through the best way to communicate when you're trying to solve that is also difficult. I now have like a couple of different things that I do, like when I join in the audio doesn't work. It's either we're using like a guest chat or something and typing back and forth. Or what's even better is I did this for my personal podcast this past week. Nat, my co-host, her microphone wasn't connecting properly. There was some sort of issue. And so I just had her call in with her phone. So it was like, she was like phone guest that was working. So we knew that it wasn't software and it wasn't on my end. It was something on her end, but being able to actually talk with her while we were troubleshooting what was going on with her microphone made it easier. Like, I think that's part of it is that it's an annoying sound or there's no sound, which then makes it difficult to try to talk through and troubleshoot what's going on. So you have to think through like, how else can you communicate while trying to solve an audio issue? And how can you stay calm if you're running out of time or you need to be doing a big production? So I would say from at least from what I've learned in the last little bit, giving yourself at least 15 minutes, if not 30 minutes of time that's in a tech check to make sure that nothing happens being okay that you might be a couple of minutes late, that's better than showing up without good audio or things going wrong and finding a good way to be able to talk to them. So whether that's you have their phone number or you have a different line for them to call in at or you have 
a way to send a text message or a Slack chat or, or Facebook DM or something else to be able to talk them through what's going on. Those are all important aspects of this because it's not as easy as troubleshooting other things from that perspective. So here's a, something that is really helpful. I know that Jeremy and Tony and maybe Martin, I'm looking at some of the people in the chat who probably have a, a picture like this somewhere in their set. When you purchased a mixer back in the day, and now even to this very day, even when you got uh, your Rodecaster Pro, yeah. there's a diagram. And in that diagram, you will see there's the mixer. And on the side, there'll be like an icon of a guitar and a cable that comes in and goes in someplace. There'll be an icon of a microphone and a cable. The reason why they do that, even though these are being sold to people who theoretically know what the heck they're doing, is to show you the visual signal flow. Yep. If you can't sit down right now and draw your finger to your signal, that is going to be the reason why you can't troubleshoot. So I can draw my finger, big ass mouth, SM7B, purple cable, streamer X, <laughs> signals inside the streamer X, USB cable, Mac, and then streamer X, quarter inch cable, headphones. That's the signal flow, right? The streamer X takes it and divides it. It allows me to hear back this, but also send one to the Mac so that Katie and Luis can hear. So if you can't do that, then you're going to have a problem because then when someone says, well, hey, I'm hearing Katie's audio twice, all I do in that second is I go, okay, computer coming in to the streamer X and then, oh, I have Katie's audio coming through the computer into the same Rodecaster Pro, in this case, Streamer X, and showing up in Ecamm. So when Katie talks, my main is bouncing. That's not how it works. When Katie talks, only the interview should bounce. Not in this case, because we call Luis. But if Chrome comes into the USB and that USB passes through your interface, back out your interface to your show, that's where you get in the sound. I just take my finger and go like that. Uh, got it. <laughs> In your house, when you notice water on the floor, every human being has done this. Well, if you haven't, you're lucky to live in nice places your whole life. If you're from the hood, you've definitely done this. You walk in the floor, kitchen's wet, you start tracing. Open the kitchen cabinets, pull all of the crap out, find out that your sister hit a fifth of vodka in there. Keep that. Don't tell mom. Just keep tracing up. Hey, um, the P-trap is leaking. Mom's like, what's a P-trap? Never mind. I need 40 bucks. I got it. <laughs> we've all done it before like when you're little children and you saw this line of ants every kid went like this <laughs> oh look there's a candy somebody dropped and all the ants there and you trace them back to where the hens they came every kid done it at some point in their life it's the exact same thing mm -hmm. you just follow the ants i just hope i'm helping to like unmystify this craziness, because it really does throw people off, right? So here's an easy one. Talk about a great analogy. I spy with my little eye. Uh, Victor is talking about how when you crank up the gain, you hear more of the room. Imagine we go back to the faucet analogy. Whenever you have too much signal, what do you hear? That room noise you hear is the same thing as if I cranked up the water, you will hear that sucker. Like if the Hoover Dam did it, it, you would hear it. Before it got to you in Vegas, you would hear it, right? It's the same thing. So when you crank the gain up so high, the microphone is reaching for signal 
You can literally hear the air moving around in your room. That's that room noise. And that's the people who, through no fault of their own, I'm just going to give you guys all the faults so you can stop worrying about it's your fault, right? Because this is where people get messed up. If you grew up with parents like I had, yeah, you start worrying about everything is your fault. And I get it. I'm sorry. I'm not here to talk to your therapist, but I'm doing science right now. <laughs> so if the microphone you have, say, can only output 50 decibel signal and your decibel is what we're counting as milliliters today. Okay, people, we're sticking with that. It's a unit of measure. That's all you need to know. And your mixer, say, can only put out 50 as well. You're going to end up cranking your mixer or interface in this particular case really, really loud. And so it's going to hear that loud air sound that you hear that. And that is because you don't have enough amplification coming in. So it sounds really bad. I don't want to mess with mine. I was going to crank it up for a second, but I won't do that because <laughs> I'm not my broadcast pro is faster, but on the streamer X is a little bit harder. So when we say, oh, you need a cloud lifter, it's just a brand name. It's a stupid brand name. So that's where people get confused because when the most popular item in the mix has a dumb name, that's where people get confused. It is a microphone preamp. What does that mean? We're going to pre-amplify the microphone signal before it gets to your interface because your interface in order to get a clean sound, I'm going to adjust my number, it needs 75 decibels of gain. At 75 decibels, if you had nothing connected and you crank the mixer up to 75, it would go <sighs> with nothing plugged in. So at around 60, it sounds solid. No noise, perfect. The gain is absolutely gorgeous. But your microphone only puts out 50. If you ask the interface to make up the other 25, every time you talk, it sounds okay. But as soon as you're silent, because it's trying to make up the rest. So what do you do? You take a cloud lifter. People listening at home, I am going to grab a real one. Sorry. It's just how you do. So this is a microphone preamp. People, I'm holding a barrel thing that has XLR on either end, and it just looks like a little nothing. But inside here, there's a bunch of circuitry that will take the 50 dB signal and crank it up by 25 dB. That's exactly what this does. This cranks up by 25, right? So if I plug this on my mic before I plug it in, it could be here or it could be at the opposite end, wherever your cord likes it. Uh, so in other words, people at home, you can plug it in either end. This will take that 50 dB signal, crank it up to 75. So now when I hit my Streamer X, I can set it at 60 and I won't be missing that extra 10. And then as clean as a whistle. So to Victor's point, if you to get his game at a level that sounds great, maybe he has to crank his mixer all the way up to the top end. And when you do that, you are interjecting that noise. And so many of the mixers have an extra tick. If either visually in the software or on the actual mixer itself, they've actually painted the line a wee bit thicker. If you have to crank it past that, you probably don't have enough input gain. That makes sense? It does, yeah. If it's too sciencey, you got to stop me. I'm trying to make this simple <laughs> as possible. Okay. No, I actually don't even have any other questions in my head. I'm scrolling through to see if there's anything else that we're missing. I do think, honestly, that calming yourself down, 
and practicing and realizing like how it's going in and out of these systems is the most important thing. And the best thing that you can do is just keep doing it, (laughs) keep doing it and keep testing it and listening to how it sounds and bringing guests on and having them go through a process. You'll get there and you'll feel much more confident with it. Listen, if you have a frantic nature because of your parents or whatever, man, take yoga or take martial arts. I have a calm nature because I martial arts and my whole family is frantic. I'm the only one that's not. I'm not going to say stuff to get me in trouble like I'm the only boy in my family. But anyway, I don't have a frantic nature. I know my sisters got it from my mom and I know that my mom got it from my grandma and my grandpa. Right. Like, and actually my uncle, Bob, he's not my mother's brother. His name's not Bob. <laughs> my uncle was also frantic, but that's just your, if your parents bred frantic into you, ask your kids, are you frantic? If your kids say yes, then look at your mom and dad and figure out where you got it from and then take yoga and let it go, Elsa, because that's not your business. What they did to you is not your business. I don't care how old you are, you can make it stop. I took martial arts as a kid, went into the military after. You can't do frantic in the military. Right. As a medic, if I did frantic, people would die. Mm-hmm. I can't do frantic. I have to do calm. So if I can put a bandage on your ankle while getting shot at, I can follow a signal <laughs> and find out where the noise is. Right. So, yeah, your frantic is taught to you. Eden just said in the chat, frantic was taught to her. She took yoga to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you have that nature, don't be mad at yourself. Somebody did it to you. You're not, no one's born frantic. This is crazy. You know, not to do with podcasting, but very helpful. People that have frantic dogs, the owners did that to them. Dogs are not frantic by nature. So when you go to your house and a puppy runs around and jumps on you and bounces down and jumps on you and bounces down and does all of that psycho stuff, that's the owner. That's not the dog. That was bred into the dog. Caesar comes in and then the dog don't do it no more. Like in a half an hour. So true. Yep. Right. So yeah, your frantic nature, not my business. Again, not here therapist. I'm just doing sound science today, but you figure that out on your own. Okay, because it doesn't serve you. And what I teach my students in my class, if it doesn't serve you, let it go, Elsa, because it ain't your business. Like somebody else's things they put on you are not your business. All right, let's get into EQ. This is kind of important in order to get your sound to sound better. This one is somewhat of a visual class. I am more than happy to go over how to do it in the Discord or something. If you guys want to see it, it is something you kind of visually need to see, but I will explain it to you in the basics. I need to pull up an EQ somewhere just so I can have a visual because <laughs> the frequency numbers, like I don't want to confuse people. One of the ones that can probably help you understand this the most while you're doing nothing is either in your phone or on your computer. Open up the music app. At the very top, there is an equalizer, right? It's command option E. That will open up an equalizer for you. In that equalizer, you will see a bunch of stuff. Now, I have a manual EQ already set up on my stuff because I just know how bad this thing is at frequencies. I had an article on my blog back when I was a nerd, and one of the most popular articles that I ever wrote was about the perfect iTunes EQ preset because based off the speakers that were in our computer, based off of, you know, just having crappy Logitech speakers or whatever, if you would set this to your Apple Music at that day, Cassidy and Green, you know, iTunes level, it would sound good, even if you had junk speakers, because, you know, I, I already knew this frequency stuff was. 
So that is a good way for you to take song that you know really, really well, whatever it is, right? It could be a nocturne from Chopin, right? There you go, Eden. Just put it right there. Grab the 32 uh, megahertz frequency, sorry, kilohertz, and just raise it up and down. Hear the changes as it's doing. Slide over to the 64. Raise it up and down so you can hear what it's doing. Go through that entire suite, right? 32, 64, 125, 250, 500, 1K, 2K, 4K, 8K, 16K. Your human ears can hear theoretically between 20 and 20,000. Most of us, after we get to a certain age, we start to roll off some of the bass parts we can't hear no more, some of the high parts we can't hear no more. So I tend to EQ visually because I know that I am past, my ear has perfect listening. I am amazed at how many old audio engineers still swear that they hear all of these. Fr- I'm like, no, you can't, bro. Scientifically, you can't. I don't care what you think. Your brain doesn't do that. Those frequencies go away at a certain age. But with enough experience, you can compensate. The reason why I want you to go through that exercise, as simple as it may sound, is it will allow you to understand what these frequencies are. So if you're listening to your sounds and you can hear a loud O, like it sounds like, oh, that's the frequency coming through. I know, grab 1K, pull it down because that's where the O lives. If your noise is like, ah, that's a different frequency, right? I'm going to come in somewhere around 2 to 4K and pull that down, right? That's just where they are. So you will be able to make your audio sound better because you will at least understand what they look like. The cool part for most of you, your applications like GarageBand, Logic, Audition, all of the above can use the built-in Apple EQ. The built-in Apple EQ actually has visual analyzer. So you can kind of see the first thing you should do just so you can get a hang of it is literally just listen to one of your favorite songs and go in there and slide those sliders and just hear what it's going to sound like. Right now, you also have to be fully cognizant that when your audience is going to listen in their phone, those phones do not produce bass frequencies very well. Mm. So you have listened to podcasts where the person has overmixed and When they start talking, you can't barely hear them because they got unintelligible because the frequency is so low, it's kind of hard to hear the difference between the parts of the word as they're speaking, right? It just, you're like, what? And so that's when it's been poorly EQ'd. We would probably have to do an entire session on EQ to show you, but we did this for Tati with her MV7. And oh, by the way, if you happen to have an MV7 or some of its contemporaries, once you get those settings saved, you can actually save them so that should you ever have an issue, you can put it right back to where it came from. The last portion of this would be the compressor. And it does exactly that. So going back to this 600 milliliter volume, we don't want anything actually touching the top and we don't want anything actually touching the bottom. So we would take, say, a 575 milliliter bottle and stuff it in the middle mm-hmm. and then put the signal through that. And that's compressing the stuff that's too loud. It's pushing it down. The stuff that's too low is pushing it up. Sorry for the noise, people. 
<laughs> but that's exactly what it is. So if you're watching the, the waveform, you're just squeezing the top and bottom so that the lower stuff comes up and the higher stuff comes down to keep it nice and even. Magic. We did it. That's, that's audio in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> Man, that was crazy. I think my brain hurts now. <laughs> I think my brain hurts now. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty confident about all of this stuff. And everything you said today just kind of adds to my layer of understanding. So I'm, I'm feeling good. Yeah. Like you don't have to know exactly how to solve it, but if you could just understand your signal flow, and I, I highly suggest everyone map it out. If you map it out, it would make life better. So for instance, one of the reasons why I'm always telling people, put your headphones in your microphone. If you're a USB person, put your headphone in your microphone mm-hmm. or put it directly in your interface. Let it be the closest to your original signal as possible. Because if you turn on audio monitoring, like in an Ecamm audio monitor, it's hearing it after all the processing. So it puts a big enough gap between what you say and what you hear that it will make your head go psycho because your brain is not used to hearing your own self way later. And that's how long it takes the signal to process. Now, imagine the people that have to hear you on the opposite end. Like that's only in your room. It hasn't even left the Internet yet. Like it's still in your room and it's already enough to be off. Right. So I'm always also laughing at when people say, well, when I, my guess is on and I say something, there's a little delay between when I stop talking and the guest answer. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's called miles. Yeah. But whether you know this or not, there is a delay. If Katie says, hey, Ken, stop messing with the coffee machine. Ken's on the opposite side of the office. There is a couple of milliseconds of delay between Katie's nice anger and Ken going, huh? Because of distance. <laughs> It's super funny, but yeah. So true. Awesome. We did it. This is a topic that obviously we will continue to cover here and there. We had done an audio workshop a couple of years ago for just EQM in general. We should definitely revise that and add on to it. But but yeah, it isn't as hard or as scary as it seems. And I think you're totally right, Doc, in that it comes from this kind of like, well, we're not supposed to touch it. We're muggles. (laughs) We're not supposed to touch this stuff. But I think it's okay to touch it. It's good if you're going to touch it to understand what it is you're doing or what you're trying to get out of it or what levels. Your podcast and your videos should sound their best, but that doesn't mean that you need to be like up here in the world of sound engineering. Like yeah. you, yes. you can make small steps. You can get a little bit better at it each time. You can at least know how to troubleshoot if something goes wrong or be able to kind of patiently work through it so that you don't have things like audio being too low or something muted that you don't understand where it's coming from or doubled audio or an echo or any of that kind of stuff. So, You know, it's funny. I just thought of something. Many people in here have imbibed a Red Bull and many people in here have a driver's license. Neither of those two things make you Mac Verstappen. Just because you had a Red Bull and a driver's license doesn't make you an F1 driver and you don't have to be, right? That's not what they're doing it for. Let them do that. You can still drive. Now, you'll find out in LA next week, I'm an F1 driver. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> now, East Coast driving is totally dead. West Coast drivers are slower than us. We yeah, just drive yeah, quick. Nice. You're pretty good. Like, Katie, Katie can get her move on. Angry being on the West Coast. We're like, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. I drive like, I'm not as bad as the people in Brooklyn, like eating, but I mean, I can get down. 
Okay, gang. So we're going to roll into Q&A. But before we do that, I do want to remind you, for look, I know this episode probably generated some questions and that's absolutely cool. Please throw them at us because we might need to do an audio mailbag out of this because I know you'll have some questions, right? You can go to the podcast, flow.ecam.com. It is available at wherever podcast getting is got, including YouTube. If you got YouTube music because you're a YouTube premium listener, hey, guess what? We're in there. You just go in there and type in F-L-O-W-E-C-A-M, and then you'll see there's my face and Katie's face and occasionally a, a Jared and Louise's face. Don't be scared if you see those mugs. It's us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can get your podcast there. You can send us an email at flow at ecam.com. That's F-L-O-W at symbol. It looks like a navel at ecam.com. And you can send us your questions there and just reference it, audio workshop or audio question. And then we can totally go back in and help you out there. And this guy is brought to you by Descript. Now, for those of you who don't want to learn all of this crazy EQ stuff, guess what? Descript has some basic EQ built in. It has a basic compressor built in. It has something called Sound Studio. Sound Studio is like having a butler come in and just do everything for you. <laughs> That's what it is. So it's nice to have that. Go and check out Descript. You can find out more at Descript.com. It is one of those tools that we all just, you know, wish everybody had. Kind of like a plumber wishes everybody had a plunger. <laughs> and just like everyone needs a plunger, everyone needs Descript. <laughs> uh, so we're rolling to a really fast Q&A people. So if you guys say, I want to be in a Q&A, remember the recordings happen every Tuesday at 12 p.m. noon Eastern time. And why do I have such a hard time saying that? Because I don't do time zones and I live in the far way out west. So I have to process it. Sorry, people. When the horn goes off in Amesbury, Massachusetts, that's when we're ready to go. It's ready. <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Absolutely appreciate you. Let's dive into the Q&A for our people. People listening at home. We'll see you next week. Flow Riders out. Calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again. It's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> 
I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course, your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this.